You may hear things like women won't apply for a job if they don't think they have all of the qualifications where men will typically say, yeah, I can learn that, you know, but I'll still apply anyway. So there's some of that. And especially when you're technical, right? You've got lists and lists and lists of kinds of technology that you could be a specialist at and so forth. And if you're missing this one little thing, you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't apply or something like that. So there's a little bit of that, certainly. At the same time, you know, we're starting to see that it's harder for women to take on stretch goals or stretch roles. And I think they, again, it's not necessarily because their lack of confidence. It's also about visibility to where those other opportunities are and how they get involved or get involved in those things. At the same time, I also struggle because especially in the senior technical roles, I think, you know, women may have or find that they've been sort of sheltered into this or led into this project management program management role and find it, you know, it's, it's rewarding. It's, you know, they can take on that role and, and maybe they don't know necessarily that there might be a comparable role in technology out there for them instead. So I think to answer your question around, you know, how do we get a wider base of women to apply? I think we need to do more to attract the kind of roles that women want to take, both from a technical position or a non-technical position, and understand that some women may have come up through different tracks to get there. Welcome to the Data Binge Podcast, a library of discussions with technologists and business leaders focusing on the human relationship with technology. Three, two, one, deploy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. Thank you for listening, and I hope today's conversation is finding you in a place of peace and health. This month of March 2021 is Women's History Month, a dedicated time to reflect on the very often overlooked contributions of women to United States history. Women's History Month has been annually observed in the U.S. since March of 1987 and is a time for both celebration and special attention to women's place in not only our history, but our culture and society. You can learn more about the month by navigating to and doing a quick search on history.com. As you can imagine, the recent discussions on this podcast will feature some absolutely incredible women across their journeys of both strength and vulnerability, and hopefully their stories will inspire you like they have inspired me. A quick update for you on upcoming episodes. On March 23rd, Angus Harvey, political economist and co-founder of Future Crunch out of Australia, will be joining a LinkedIn live discussion on the Data Binge podcast, walking us through the power of optimism and the basic principles of understanding the future of technology. Future Crunch focuses on helping organizations understand what's coming up next in our human journey. Such a fascinating episode. I hope that you can see this episode live. On May 30th, to close out Women's History Month, Gina Lofton, Chief Technology Officer of Microsoft US, will be rejoining a Simply Tech live discussion on LinkedIn with myself and Ali Mazahari to talk about women history. Gina was such a wonderful guest we interviewed last November, and you can catch her leadership in that discussion on episode 56 of this podcast. We will be posting different live engagement links for you to come in and comment and be a part of the discussion 
on my LinkedIn profile, which I will put in the show notes of this episode. And now for today's discussion. Today's episode is a Simply Tech Live interview recorded last year, July 27th, featuring my co-host Ali and our special guest, Kat Sush. Kat is a principal technical architect at the Microsoft Technology Center in New York and is sharing her experiences as a highly technical leader in the tech industry, why there are so few women in technical roles, and she's going to share the challenges and opportunities presented for the culture change that businesses need to make to build a more diverse and inclusive workforce. There are very, very few highly technical women leaders in the industry, whether it be business broadly or specifically in the tech world where I kind of live and play and work. This conversation will really surface both some data for why this could be, as well as solutions for women specifically as Kat walks through her experience, both working at Microsoft and at other organizations, as well as what we can do to all contribute to causes that impact the overall inclusion and leadership participation of women in our workforce and society. Such a great conversation, a big conversation. This was such a special episode, and we're just so happy that we can surface it during this very special month as a feature for Women's History Month. Thank you for listening, and now we bring you Kat Sush. All right, everyone, we are live. Welcome to another episode of Simply Tech Live, the program here on LinkedIn Live. We're here with some very special folks today, myself, Ali, and you, Kat, one of our guests. And if this is your first time logging in and tuning into this show, Simply Tech Live is a discussion collection of conversations ranging from technology all the way to diversity and inclusion. We've covered things like COVID technology during the last three or four months. We've talked about social unrest in the current BLM environment. And today we're talking about women in highly technical leadership roles. Ali, why don't you start us off? Well, first of all, congratulations. We won an award. You want to talk a little bit about it? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> on the yeah. So I, I won uh, Platinum Club, the Circle of Excellence for Platinum Club, which is Microsoft's most prestigious award for outstanding achievement. So all these different things. This broadcast was one of those achievement peers that helped me get the reward or the award. And I just have an, an amazing set of customers, amazing team that helped me. Some just incredible people around me, like you, Kat, and Ali, and folks that are watching this broadcast. And that's, yeah, that was a great accomplishment. So thanks for that. Congratulations. <laughs> so how long have you been with Microsoft? Three years. All right. Microsoft so three years. three years. You already won a Platinum you know, Award. That's it. That's a big deal. So it's uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that, you know, you're my co-host because now I can brag about it as well. But <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not talking just about you, right? Sweat away, yeah. Yeah, we want to sweat away. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to talk about what Kat does, right? With that, let me just quickly ask Kat to introduce herself. We have a little history together. So I know her from the time that she was not part of the MTC. But let's start with that. And Kat, just quickly introduce yourself. Hi, folks. I'm Kat Sush. I am a specialist in our Microsoft Technology Center in New York, and I primarily focus on our modern work platform and security, but I cover almost all of the other topics in our platforms as well. 
I've been with Microsoft now just shy of nine years. So it's been a crazy ride all the way. And yeah, Ali, you and I go way back. <laughs> so why don't you t- tell us a little bit about your journey? You know, how uh, you started with Microsoft. And again, I know you from the time that you're working with Jackie Nichols and also, you know, seeing your involvement in the, the modern workplace community. I was a big advocate. Let us know about, a little bit about your history and, you know, how you got to MPC. Actually, I, I've come a long way. It's, I've been in the technology industry for at least 33 years, starting from being in some of the scientific fields like earthquake research and as well as meteorology, and then getting into more businesses like technology companies, financial services. And then just before Microsoft, I was the chief architect at the McGraw-Hill companies just before they broke up the company. But as I started here in Microsoft, I was primarily an enterprise architect, and I focused on areas around technology strategy, technology alignment, aligning both from a business and a technology perspective from a corporate business drivers and business objectives, and then got more involved in sort of taking that in the space of, okay, how do people work together? How do people collaborate? What are ways in which we can sort of improve the overall business function by leveraging key technologies for collaboration. And that's how I really got into working in the services or consulting area, focused primarily first on enterprise architecture, then just focused on well business productivity and modern work. And yeah, it's actually I celebrated four, four years exactly at the MTC this month. So it's been good. Yeah, I remember when I first heard the news that you joined MTC, I was super excited. And I've been, you know, watching how you just like get yourself involved and, you know, getting to this uh, TA role and, you know, the impact that you've had in the community, being a lead for the modern workplace community within the MPC organization, which, you know, is huge. And we have a lot of talented people. And I always admire your thought leadership and how you work with others. That's just really awesome. By the way, today I was watching you live. (laughs) Why don't you just tell us about the hackathon that is going on this week? Actually, this this has been insane because it's a global hackathon. So it's all around the world and there's so many projects going on. In fact, what they did was kick off. They did a follow the sun kickoff at major locations around the world, starting in China. And we did a Northeast New York session this morning, which kicked off the East Coast, essentially. And we had guests on like Tony Towns, Whitney and Satya also kicked us off as well. But it was hysterical. It was so much fun to sort of get things rolling and then toss it over to our folks in Boston. But then later in the morning, I got the opportunity to interview one of the hacking teams. They call themselves Stand in the Gap, or I think they're going to change the name to Stand with the Gap. But the idea is around addressing systemic racism and and bringing together allies to provide them tools and applications and data, along with anybody who's in a situation where they might be perhaps their rights being infringed upon and things like that. Leveraging all of our Microsoft platform from Power BI to mobile. And I'm really, really proud of that group. They're not just from New York. Some folks were from New Jersey, Chicago, Washington. And so you could see that this is a big virtual hack. So it's amazing how many people can work together virtually like this and still drive toward uh, really amazing outcomes. Yeah. And again, I mean, to me, it's just a very exciting program. And that's something that, as you mentioned, we've been doing it for a couple of years. Interestingly enough, 
the bot project that we started with Philly MTC, it was a hackathon idea that was started two years ago and still been evolving year after year. So can't wait to see what's the outcome of this year's hack. I talked a lot, but I know that Derek had some questions for you specifically for the topic that we're going to talk and discuss today. So Derek, why don't you go ahead? And by the way, thank you to everybody who's watching us live. If you guys have any questions, just put it in the message box and definitely we're going to get back to you. And if you're watching this offline, we can continue this conversation on LinkedIn. Yep. And please ask us questions. We have a number of different posts. And we posted this to Kat's profile, mine, as well as the US MTC's landing page, LinkedIn page. So ask some questions. We'll go ahead and, and pose the questions to Kat. So in case folks don't know what the MTC is, it stands for the Microsoft Technology Center. And we'll go a little bit more about what that is. We've discussed that on the show before. We, we use the acronym MTC. But when it comes to women in leadership roles, Kat, one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm sure you have noticed, and the rest of the world has noticed in technology specifically, is that when you look around towards these highly technical peers of ours, there's not that many women in these different roles. And I know women in tech, that specific genre of conversation is continuously talked about quite a bit, but now we're taking it a little deeper and we're going into Literally, we're going into folks that are in engineering, coding, touching code, and actually building some of the software and the dreams that we're discovering on a day-to-day with our customers and for our customers. Like, What has been the biggest challenge for you? It comes to mind immediately. Yeah, it's tough to say that because, you know, early in my career, it was 50-50. You know, there were women who were programmers, there were men who were programmers, they teamed up together, et cetera. But the more senior I got, the less I was seeing women in technical roles. Either they would veer off and do, you know, project management, or some people would take two tracks. You could go project management, you could go technology. And I was seeing the women go toward the program project management more often than I was seeing them go toward technical roles. And in fact, there were several times in my career where you're good at planning, you know, why don't you become a project manager? And I was like, is that my only choice? So I would typically make decisions with my feet and move on to other positions that continue to give me technical accountability and be able to have more roles where I brought people together to collaborate more from an architecture perspective. And I love that. I love bringing together infrastructure architects and application development and even QA people all together to collaborate on a design, a technical design and solution. And so the more senior I got, I was taking on more architecture roles, still being technical, right? Now, you know, when, when I joined Microsoft, I joined an enterprise architecture team and there were 80 men in that group in the U.S., and three women. Wow. And here I'm saying I'm getting, you know, I'm more senior. I'm now I'm in 20, 25 years in technology. And I was just, wait, where are all the women? And so I actually took major efforts in recruiting when I was in the role there. I actually became an architect manager as part of the enterprise strategy practice and brought in several women who are still in Microsoft today. In fact, one of them, Valerie, has joined us in Microsoft Technology Center. I was one of the folks who interviewed her. And even now at the MTC, it's still rare for women to be in the technical roles in the MTC. Now, there are plenty of directors who are women, and I love all of them. They're fantastic people. But at the same time, where are the women? 
And it's, I've seen the trend more so, like I said, the more senior that you get or the longer women are in their careers in technology. I do a lot of mentoring because I have concerns, especially for the, the women who are maybe in their you know, mid to late thirties and thinking about, you know, what do I do now? I'm certain, you know, what roles are available to me? I've, programming has been nice, but maybe I want to take on more accountability or more responsibility. And so I spend a lot of time mentoring internally, as well as in the industry in general. I still keep in touch pretty closely with some of the folks I used to be involved with in different positions outside of Microsoft. So kind of, it just came to my mind as a director right now. So we do a lot of hiring, right? So when we go out and try to recruit for talent, and this is something that is not new, but what I see, generally speaking, is that there's not enough or not, not many female applicants. And I don't know if this is something that, you know, it's the society that makes them feel uncomfortable that, hey, you know, if I go and apply for this, I'm not going to get the job. But what do you hear or what do you see? And again, I would love to hear and understand, you know, how can we help to make this a more diverse team. What are your thoughts? There's a couple of sides to it. I mean, you may hear things like women won't apply for a job if they don't think they have all of the qualifications where men will typically say, yeah, I can learn that, you know, but I'll still apply anyway. So there's some of that. And especially when you're technical, right? You've got lists and lists and lists of kinds of technology that you could be a specialist at and so forth. And if you're missing this one little thing, you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't apply or something like that. So there's a little bit of that, certainly. At the same time, you know, we're starting to see that it's harder for women to take on stretch goals or stretch roles. And I think they, again, it's not necessarily because their lack of confidence. It's also about visibility to where those other opportunities are and how they get involved or get involved in those things. At the same time, I also struggle because, especially in the senior technical roles, I think, you know, women may have or find that they've been sort of sheltered into this or led into this project management, program management role and find it, you know, it's, it's rewarding. It's, per, you know, they can take on that role and, and maybe they don't know necessarily that there might be a comparable role in technology out there for them instead. So I think to answer your question around, you know, how do we get a wider base of women to apply? I think we need to do more to attract the kind of roles that women want to take, both from a technical position or a non-technical position, and understand that some women may have come up through different tracks to get there. As an example, I did a presentation a couple of years ago in an audience that wasn't technical. And it was a group of women who were, you know, had daughters who they wanted to sort of understand where they could go with their career. And I said, well, you know, if your daughter likes math, if she's interested in science, maybe she's a musician and has sort of a keen sense of understanding, you know, chords and things like that. Even someone who uses math for designing clothing or what have you, gear them into looking at how to understand more about that side of things and getting more involved in whether it be, you know, robotics or other kinds of technologies that are out there to get them interested. You know, when I came to be through the technology area, you know, the PCs were just being invented. And at the time, it wasn't that atypical that the boy in the family would get the PC and the girl wouldn't. 
And that has had a lot of impact, I think, on, you know, how things have occurred in technology through decades. And we can't disregard that. So I really think it's time for the fathers to get the girls techie toys (laughs) Uh, and really take a role there as well. (laughs) That's a job that I'm trying to do every single day. My wife and my mom loves to give my daughter, you know, books and kitchen sets and all these different things and everything's pink. And I'm over here giving her like astronaut, you know, astronaut dolls and like hardcore engineering. It's really fun to do that. It's an experience I never even knew existed as being a father to a daughter before. Just some quick stats. And I'll put some of the links into this discussion, but three out of four girls express an interest in computer science, young girls. One out of four jobs held by women in IT is a statistic that's been held since 2019. So there's a, a big interest, but you're not seeing that interest execute through. And then right. almost 14% of women age 18 and 24 started coding when they're under 16 years old, only 14%. But when they interview developers, to your point, Cat, when they interview developers that are older than the age of 35, 2X, they're twice as likely as having tried coding before 16 years old. So there's this pattern and correlation with getting into coding when you're young, but there's this deficit of women actually getting into coding. What do you think has been historically the reason why, and you mentioned kind of technology and computers and society, like how we're kind of cultivating our young women. How is that changing, do you think? And then when you think about not only the young component, but why are these women being led into PM roles instead of highly technical roles? Is there something changing? Well, there's two things. I mean, a lot of the statistics we see are actually U.S. oriented, but I have to say in other countries like India and China, there's more of a 50-50 even at senior levels with women in technology. So yeah, I would say see probably the Western European and U.S. seem to trend in the same directions that we're seeing Mm -hmm. in the U.S. When it comes to the, you know, starting young and programming young, I absolutely believe that that's where we need to go. And I think we need to, first of all, there's not a lot of computer science programs in high school today. And Microsoft's playing a great part with the TEALS program. And the TEALS program is where we seed Microsoft employees to actually teach at high schools, and especially in those high schools in their community and so forth. And that's one way Microsoft's really making a difference in my mind, because I think we need to attract girls in high school before they're making that decision on where to go to college and being able to sort of take that forward even into college when people are, you know, take uh, whatever it is when they start with liberal arts or something like that and to sort of get their buy-in at at that stage too. But the statistics I've seen about specifically women and who are, as they get older, the statistics I see, you know, people will say, oh, it's because they need to raise children and they stop and they take a break. And that could be true. I have to say, I'm childless. A lot of the women who I see at my level, they were childless as well. So that certainly could be a rationale, and I don't want to deny that. But at the same time, men and women are starting to pick up, you know, the child-rearing responsibility together collaboratively. So I don't know if that's really it. Yeah, let me talk to the project management piece. The thing I keep seeing is that women don't have a lot of technical women mentors, when it comes time to make career decisions. And I think that's a big gap 
right now because there's so few of us. We can only mentor so many people in these roles. And then we're, we're basically finding women not getting the direction and the guidance that they need from a career perspective. That's what my thoughts, at least. So one question that comes up, and again, I mean, I know that we at MTCs, you know, we do a lot of community works like the Digi Girls and things like that. Yeah. Have you seen any like change in terms of, you know, what we see in the industry? In other way, you know, what is the impact of all this community work that Microsoft and our companies are doing to, you know, become an advocate for, you know, all this talented females that we have currently today and also in the future? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I really enjoy doing those community events. We see, I don't know, 300 girls in one day when we do Digi Girls. God, we miss doing that in person. And we're trying to figure out a way to do that virtually now. But the chance to put technical women in front of those girls is completely the right direction. Though I struggle whenever they put together the panel and they're not technical women. And, and I have, I, you know, I'm surrounded by saleswomen all the time and I respect their technical know-how and knowledge, but they haven't come up through a career in technology and can't necessarily answer the questions for a girl who's in, you know, who's 15 or 16 years old of how do I get into that? You know, what do I need to do? Also, you know, we're doing a lot with, you know, Girl Scouts and other communities and Girls That Code, where Girls That Code, they're actually coming in and doing, usually I think it's a five-week program where they really get hands-on and learn, you know, everything from C-sharp programming to data and AI technology and giving them a chance to really try it hands-on it before jumping into a college program or something like that. I think we need to do more of that. And I mean, like I said, we need to get more women in front of those kids. And you know, we're doing this also for organizations that have people who graduated college and are looking to develop their professional skills, you know, how to write a resume or what skills they need to highlight. And that's another area when we need to sort of help focus people because they come out of college and certainly there's challenge because maybe they've taken, I don't know, I had a new hire out of college once that was an agricultural major. I was like, well, how did that guy decide he wanted to be a computer scientist? And why can't more girls who maybe didn't come in through computer science apply for positions at Microsoft? Things like that. So I think those are chances. Speaking of hope and speaking of chances, so when it comes down to what examples that we're setting in, so you, you discussed this hackathon setting earlier today. And when I know the Microsoft Technology Center, I know it as being a place, a very inclusive place to come and and really work out ideas and hack through ideas and work on solutions and really peel back the layers of the challenges that businesses are facing. Do you see an impact, Kat, and Ali is for you as well, with the way that our culture is bleeding into examples that customers are looking to get from us? I would hope so. It was no coincidence that the project I picked had so many women in it. I went right through the list of New York hackers and said, okay, where are all the girls? And picked one that had at least six women. And it was, and the team captain was the woman, actually a GM or a general manager of the West Coast. And I think we need to put that in front of people. You know, let's give them the chance to shine and talk about what they're doing to get other people excited. At the same time, there's all this, you know, I might have forgotten what I was going to say there, but. <laughs> There's so many potential opportunities to really expose what Microsoft does to the rest of the world. Oh, and now I know. I honestly, 
I listened to April's session and she said, typically she was the only woman in the room, right? I run these technical sessions as well as strategic sessions with our customers. And 95% of the time, I'm the only woman in the room, maybe 30 people. And I'm leading the session with 30 men. And it's fun because I make comments when the corporate communications department comes because they want to talk about Office 365 and how they can use Yam or something like that. There's a room full of women. (laughs) And I get to feel like I'm not alone. (laughs) So, and again, I mean, I may be wrong, but do you see any cross-collaboration or efforts between the companies like, let's say, Microsoft, Google's Mm -hmm. of the world, Facebook's? So, you know, they can kind of provide that environment that you as a female technologist or an engineer feel confident to go and, you know, apply for all these jobs that are available. Do we see anything happening or this is just like in a side level based on the company that we talk to or we reach out to or, you know, interested to work at? There are a lot of events. Grace Hopper does a a conference every year. And then there's the Women in Technology, a group as well, where we might, in some cases, will bring some of the tech firms together and the women from those tech firms to discuss those kinds of things. But it's more community oriented. I wouldn't say it was a partnership between those businesses. We did do an event with EY, I think it was last year, where we did a great engagement of women. And I think those are the kind of partnerships that are great, but how do we take them further from, you know, how do we build up more women in technology and things like that? But yeah, I haven't seen any of those types of opportunities, and I would definitely jump at them if I could. We mentioned DigiGirls earlier, and there's so many programs. And just with our Q4 earnings call last week, we heard about sustainability and we heard about all these different opportunities that we're taking and giving to the Black community in terms of banking opportunities and hiring and development. And I can't even keep up with all the things that we're trying to do as an organization to empower more people for more success. Can you talk a little bit more about DigiGirls? And then can you talk about what you've seen from Microsoft, just as an example point in doing things for the younger women community? Well, DigiGirls is a great program, and it's typically hosted by different corporate sponsors. Microsoft and others all sort of engage with this and put put folks through the program. But it basically brings together anywhere from, I think the youngest are typically 14 through like 15 or 16. And it includes a full program of getting hands-on. We might do, we used to do the Minecraft coding experience to give them a chance to sort of play with the code in that environment and really create their own experience. And then we also do show them around our Microsoft Technology Center experiences. So everything from looking at mixed reality to artificial intelligence, and basically AI for good and things like that to sort of get girls interested in the kinds of things and potential things they can do. And then we typically have a panel discussion. That's the part of it I love because there's you get to hear their concerns or questions and 300 girls in a room asking, what do I do about my career? And I'm interested in technology, but I'm also interested in this other thing. And, you know, how do you make sure you can help them understand that just because you're interested in science and technology or maybe graphic design and technology that you can merge those two together somehow? And I think that's something that's not uh, spoken about enough. 
For example, I'm a musician and I'm a technologist and I bring my music and together with technology because I use, you know, software and I program with MIDI and things like that. And I can use my technical skills in that kind of context while I'm re- uh, composing music. So I think those are the kinds of conversations that take place at those events that are really, I think, help to jog some other ideas for girls, especially at that young age. And I came to know you, Kat, because I saw an article that I think, Ali, you might have sent me or you tagged me on Mm -hmm. and basically said, look, we have to have Kat on this program. This is fantastic. And it was just the combination of you, Kat, being in this highly technical role, which we never see. And then at the same time, you doing some things that were just so exceptionally, I guess, exceptionally the way that a lot of us want to contribute back to the world. And this particular highlight, I think, was the Global Give Back Circle. And you are part of the Mentor Circle. Can you talk to us about your relationship with Beatrice? Oh, yeah. Great. Thanks. This is really, for me, it has been the most inspiring part of the program. I got involved Actually, this woman, Maxine, she pulled me in and I was so excited when I heard about this, uh, where folks, not just at Microsoft, but all around the U.S. and the world, you sign up and you become a mentor to someone, whether it's in Kenya or India. And there's a couple of other places around the world that they're doing this. And it's to help girls get through school. In this situation, Beatrice was married. She has two kids and she, you know, she was struggling. She needed some guidance. She just needed someone to help her through school. And our time is actually matched by Microsoft so that that money is invested for her schooling, which to me is, you know, that's the second most rewarding part of it. The first is the opportunity to really help her as well as the fact that she's helping me to understand what it's like to be a young girl in actually she lives in West Peacock and just to learn about how she needs to get herself educated and the kinds of things that she needs to do to get a career. And Beatrice studied to be a teacher. And so helping her with experiences that I did from teaching in the Microsoft Technology Center, I'm in front of a whole room of people every day and I'm essentially teaching them. So I would be giving her advice on my personal experiences and she was applying it to her learnings as well as the kinds of things that she ultimately did because she took over a, I think they called it a level three class. So that's sort of the more junior, sort of like elementary school level for her students. And so she she took it on. We were exchanging WhatsApp messages for four years. We still are. And I recently picked up another mentee. Her name is Anna, and she wants to be an engineer. And she's determined to go to Tokyo School of Engineering. She's younger and unmarried, but she's definitely ambitious. And it's exciting to watch their career or her life sort of evolve over time. So, Kat, quick question. I know that we used to a lot of this community events at the centers, Microsoft Technology Centers. Of course, with COVID, everything kind of changed. You know, we closed the stores, you know, the store personnel, they were always a a good ally and, you know, partners to come and deliver the sessions. So in the past three or four months, how do you see this thing evolving since, you know, we kind of do everything virtual? Is it going to the right direction? Is there anything that we need to, you know, make this more impactful? Again, the goal is to get you know, this space excited about, hey, you know, if you're interested in technology, you need to come and join us, right? 
do you think that, you know, with COVID, this is going to, you know, put a, a pause or you think we're going to go full force in a different format? We're going ahead. I'm actually working on a project. We're calling it Project Dragon. <laughs> and it's combined with the people who set up the community events in the different locations in the U.S., as well as some of the folks who bring in the communities that we want to do these events with. We're actually doing some of this or planning a lot of this with the folks from the store because they had already begun or they were doing these virtually and still are, in fact, doing these events type virtually. So we're going to combine those now and we're going to deliver these types of events in smaller chunks, though, because I think we've heard that kids really have a harder time sitting still for more than two hours. And I think the teachers figured that out pretty quickly. Uh, and so uh, instead of doing a full day of something like DigiGirls, that we might do a couple of hours over five days or something like that and include the kinds of things we did in the technology centers by, you know, demonstrating artificial intelligence and some of the new technologies coming out from Microsoft Research and things like that. So we're definitely going to go ahead with them. We had hoped to get it out there in time before summer camps, you know, because we knew summer camps were going to be canceled. But I think we're probably going to pick this up in August and then pick it up through the rest of the school year as well. We've already got a couple that we're doing uh, test runs with, uh, so we're excited. Of course, some of the challenges we have with doing things virtually is privacy for children. We don't realize what an impact doing something virtually is if someone, you know, if the student needs to provide their email address, they can't and things like that. So we're trying to overcome those issues, but hopefully we'll be able to move ahead soon. And then I'll, and I'll draft you, Ali, because we'll need your help. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate, as you know, in my region, there are two specific groups that I always contribute and support. One of them is Latina Geeks, which, you know, they're an awesome group of females. And these are all professional women. So they're already, you know, having a job, but then also interested in technology. That's something that I would like to, you know, get you involved. And the other one that I support is the, the Persian Women in Tech which is more, you know, focusing on the, the Persian minority. But again, it's the same story. And, you know, you know, we can apply this to all the other groups that we have currently in today on LinkedIn and other social media. But I have a question for you. I know that we're almost running out of time, but what is next for CAT? I mean, what's going to happen in the next year or so? What are your ambitious goals in terms of, you know, even making this impact even more like towards, you know, the, the female technical, you know, community? And what are your goals and plans? Well, I certainly want to start doing more of this kind of thing where I will bring in other women and do some types of podcasts. So this has been on my mind for a while. And I, like I said, I have done a lot of presentations on women in technology over the years, and I want to be able to sort of get others to be able to talk about their experiences as well. At the same time, there's so much out there and I'm obviously going to continue and advance my technology skills, especially around all this cool stuff happening with teams. Oh my gosh, <laughs> everything, every time you turn around, we're going to do seven by seven. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so I hope to also be a great advocate for some of the areas in technology that I think women will be drawn to. I think collaboration technologies are a really hot side of where women can really play an important role. 
on how to bring other people together and, and collaborate effectively, not just to, you know, share files, but be able to make the conversation be consistent with how you're collaborating on content and things like that. And I feel like, you know, we had a commercial on Teams during the Mother's Day that was aired. And I was just like, really just like, you know, love that commercial. And I think the message is COVID-19 with all the negativity that it brings to the world today. But there are some opportunities. Like, you know, if you're a mom and you're in a technical field, you can work remote. You don't have to be in the office, right? right. And we accept that, that, you know, your kid's going to run away or scream. I mean, maybe a year ago, it was just, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But now everybody understands it. So hopefully that will open up more doors for women in technology and, you know, women that are interested. So that, you know, we start from the student side that, you know, they can become the next VP or CTO or CIO, all the way to women that are, you know, working in a professional job, but they still, you know, want to learn how to code or use power apps, et cetera. And I think that's where, you know, people like you can become the good thought leader to let them know that, hey, it's possible. If I can do it, you can do it as well. So let us help you. Yeah. And I really want to be in a coach teaching role into the future to sort of help others to see that value of being involved in technology. So, well, if anything, I would love to have you back as a host and, you know, maybe we can have, you know, additional women that they come and talk about their journey. But with that, I want to, first of all, thank you for your time. I know that you're going to get back to the hackathon and you have another live session coming up. So it's going to be a busy Monday for you. But Derek, why don't you go and close it up? Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, Kat. This was really just a great opportunity. And I, I loved all the different items taken from you. A, just you as an example in a senior technical role and doing it so well and so collaboratively just with all these different hacks and your mentorship, all the things that you're talking about with how to be a mentor, why that's so important. I certainly learn so much from this type of conversation because I can be a better father. So it's not just great information for women. It's really great information for men too, because we can be better allies and, and better fathers and, and brothers, etc. And then finally, everything that we're talking about in terms of setting this great example, giving back to the community, your work with Beatrice, it's just really amazing stuff. So thank you for being such a shining star. And we're looking forward to watching your work in the future. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Thanks a lot. See you guys later. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us in the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S Network on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at Derek at thedatabinge.com. The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought form where we share knowledge and ideas. Views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.